I, uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal tradition and was a pastor for 30 years in the Pentecostal tradition. So uh, generally, uh, if I see a revelation text, now how many of you know what I'm going to say? Right? You know? You're going to see the big, you know, I, in my head, I see big charts. You know, here's the pre-tribulation and here's the rapture and here's all this, you know, and all these charts. And, uh, and then, you, you know, if you figure out, you know, who's, go, who's got going to have the mark of the beast and who's the Antichrist and all of that. And uh, I grew up with that. Uh, and to the point where once, once we got into talking about Revelation, people just didn't want to go there. It's scary. You can't figure it out. Forget about it. Okay. But I have found over the years that I see a Revelation text and I run to it. Because there I find the presence of Jesus, which is what the revelation of Jesus Christ is all about. So I want to focus on that particular text with touching the others. Um, it was about this time last year in the Easter season that uh, one of the Bishop Neal's letters that I read that he sends to the clergy, he had an admonition that said, preach resurrection. And we are good at some of the seasons, Advent, Lent, Holy Week, we're pretty good at getting introspective or leading into that introspection. But we also have seasons like Easter season, a season of celebrating resurrection. And I have remembered that admonition from the bishop and, and think a bit further on the application. I don't want to just preach resurrection. I want to live resurrection. So touching on these passages today and focusing on Revelation 1, I want to give us this thought and then expand it just a bit. Let us live resurrection in prayer. Let us live resurrection in prayer. And I can extend it out a bit through this thought from the Revelation text. Christ is the one who is walking among his church. We can live resurrection because the resurrected Christ walks among us. In that text in Revelation 1 and verse 12, just to draw your attention to it again, John says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, and the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. The vision that John sees is this. Christ is walking among his churches. He is present among his churches. Our gospel text this morning and our Acts text give us pictures of life after the resurrection, very soon after the resurrection. And one thing that I noticed out of this is these are not anxiety-free passages. You'd think the resurrection had come and, oh, wow, <laughs> we're good. No stress, no worry, no pressure. Everybody's coming to Jesus. Everybody didn't come to Jesus. And it led to problems. 
So he walked, but he walks among the, his churches. The resurrection hasn't set them free from worry or doubt or pressure, but it has been a deep radical change in their lives to how they walk through all of that. In the gospel, we see the disciples hiding away out of fear, and Jesus appears among them. Jesus walks among his church. He speaks peace on them, and he breathes onto them, imparting the Spirit to them. He even comes back uh, to visit Thomas because Thomas missed the text and the calendar invite and the email and the voicemail. He missed the first meeting with all of that. I'm really a bulletin person. I read it if it's in the bulletin. You didn't have it in the bulletin. I didn't show up. But he comes back for Thomas. And Thomas, in his doubt, Jesus comes to him in his doubt and talks to Thomas. He walks among us in our fears and in our doubts, breathing life and power into our lives as we deal with the anxieties of life. Resurrection power. He brings peace and assurance in his presence. And then in Acts 5, we have this mixed bag of blessing and pressure miracles, and getting thrown in jail. (laughs) This is life. We don't get all blessings, and thank the Lord, we don't get all stress. It's a mixed bag that comes into our life. And when the resurrection impacts the life of the early church, we see signs and wonders And then we also see continued pressure. They didn't step outside of anxieties, worries, or pressures. They found they could walk through those times with resurrection power. And that's the way it is with us. We will see God's presence in our lives. We will see times of God's miraculous provision. We will see times where miracle, God graces us with a miracle of some sort, and we will understand that was God. And we will have those pressures and anxieties and worries and doubts. The apostles are there preaching and seeing the miracles flow, and, but then for them it was getting tossed in jail and told to quit preaching. They are free in Christ. Resurrection power has given them fresh boldness. But the religious power in Jerusalem has shifted, and the religious leaders know it. And all they have left is intimidation and manipulation, so they apply it. The early church was not all miracles, all blessings, and no problems. Pressure was applied. We may walk through pressure like this in our own lives. And if we don't, we certainly know the testimony of the church around the world that we can be mindful of because we know of the persecuted church in places that we haven't been. And then in Revelation 1, we have this picture of Christ walking among the lampstands, symbolizing His presence among the church even in their darkest hour. In the chaos and upheaval that they were experiencing in their time, there was Jesus walking among them. In our chaos... In our cultural upheavals, we need to know that His presence walks among us. His presence is not the voice of nostalgia looking for the good old days. His presence is sweet. His presence will lead us to resurrection and to life and another way. But we need 
His voice and His presence. This is part of living the resurrection. We don't get lost in the chaos or the upheaval that's around us. Our eyes are up and they are on Him because He is walking among us. And as John describes, He is the one who has the keys of death and Hades in His hand. The one who conquered death and the grave walks among us. Live resurrection. He is there in our darkness, in our fear, in our need, in our joy, in our victories, in our daily life. Christ is walking among His church, empowering us for every situation. And then there's this verse in chapter 1 in Revelation verse 6. He says, He made us a kingdom He made us a kingdom, priests to his God and his Father. He's calling us and molding us to be the kingdom of priests that he has always envisioned. We are representing Christ to the world and bringing the needs of the world to Christ. And this is where I want to focus in out of these these passages in the thought of live resurrection. Let us live resurrection in prayer. One of the greatest engines of the church is the power of prayer. The Word and prayer are key in every one of our lives, and both are abundantly evident in the life of our liturgy week after week, and even day by day through our daily offices that are given in the Book of Common Prayer. So, when we pray, we don't pray for just us. We do pray for our needs. We, but we also get to pray for others and we get to pray with the world in mind as well. One of the great privileges I have as a deacon is to lead in the prayers of the people. I love that honor because it keeps me aware of what is going on around us. I am called to bring the needs of the people to God. I am to bring the needs of the world to God. I am to help all of us be aware as the people of God what is happening around us. And we bring this to the Lord. As I've walked with the Lord over my, li- over my lifetime, I have probably since the, I was 14 just really worked on developing prayer tools that have been so helpful to help me keep in mind the needs of the world. But coming into the Anglican church, I have found a treasure of prayer in the Book of Common Prayer. The prayers offered are not be-all, end-all prayers. They can be launch pads for our prayer lives. One spot that I want to highlight very briefly is the Great Litany. Um, In the first service, I said for lifelong Anglicans, I know I'm getting at least an internal eye roll You've been there, I get it. And then I was told Anglicans don't know anything about the Great Litany. You know, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's like, not that bad. <laughs> but there's this thing in the book of prayer called the Great Litany. And it is awesome. <laughs> I, I want to commend to you the Great Litany. It begins on page 91 of the Book of Common Prayer. And from time to time, I will pull this out. So for Lent, for instance, I did that, and I will walk slowly through it. And by slowly, I mean I will pray certain sections of it, and it will launch me into some prayer that will take up the rest of my time, and I'll 
pick up the next section the next day. And so I split it up over several days. We are to live resurrection, and our life of prayer is a key to that living. We are bringing situations to the Lord and asking for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. That is resurrection. Help us, Lord, to live resurrection in prayer. Let us use these beautiful resources that are found in the Book of Common Prayer to help us launch into deeper times of prayer. The prayers in the book, in the book of Common Prayer are, are powerful because if that, at that particular time, if that's all you can pray, you need to know the Father hears those prayers and you lift them up. There are also the occasional prayers beginning on page 646 that are incredibly helpful. And again, they can serve as launch pads into more of our own words. But I also want to highlight today what we do almost every week in the life of our church, and that is in our liturgy, the prayers of the people, that we have the privilege of praying together. These are prayers that can launch, uh, that can serve as a launch pad for our week, that you can take these prayers with you and day by day lift these back up to the Lord, something that you may hear one of us as deacons pray and a need that expands or the prayer list that's in the back of the bulletin. You can take that. And we, and we lift these up. We live in resurrection as we pray these prayers because we are truly asking God's kingdom to come in each of these areas. We pray for our national leaders every week. It doesn't matter the political party of the leader. We pray for these leaders every week. We ask for God's kingdom to come in reality in those places because we live in resurrection power. So I I want to offer this as an encouragement to us to live resurrection in the power of prayer, that we can bring our needs to the Lord and the needs of others to the Lord and the needs of the world to the Lord. We pray for Ukraine. We may not know the pressure in our lives like they know pressure, but like the pressure the church felt in John's day when he was on Patmos, these dear brothers and sisters in Ukraine today are feeling it. And last Sunday in the 8 a.m. service, I listened as Father Mark prayed not only for Ukraine, but for justice. Not just to lift up those who are suffering, but to bring down the oppressor. We can pray that. Resurrection life in prayer invites us to pray powerfully. We can pray for the downtrodden to be lifted up, and we can pray for the oppressor to be torn down. That is resurrection prayer. For the believers in persecuted areas, we can lift those up to the Lord. When I get to that portion of the prayer and the prayers of the people, I have this visual map in my head that takes me across North Africa and into the Arab Peninsula and up into Central Asia and over to Southeast Asia because I know this is the most persecuted place in the world. This is the darkest place where the light of Christ and the gospel shines brightest because it's so dark. And week by week, I will, I will have some section in mind as I'm praying those particular prayers that, that the resurrection life would infuse those dear brothers and sisters. We are to pray for those who are in need among us. That they're going through something, friends that you know or family members that you know, that they need Jesus walking among them as they walk through a trial or a need. 
We pray for leaders in our world to understand how to lead with mercy and wisdom and justice. This is living resurrection. When we walk in prayer, we are fulfilling part of that vision of the kingdom of priests that Jesus is building in Revelation 1.6. So my invitation is this, is that when we come to the prayers of the people in every service, that you engage in those prayers. It is to let those prayers as they're being prayed sink in. It, I, I just need you to know it's not a race to hear the deacon say, Lord, in your mercy, or this week, risen Lord, and then you say, hear our prayer. It's not a race. <laughs> just let it, let it sink in. Okay? Um, be in prayer. Be in the request. And then when the deacon says, risen Lord, to say, hear our prayer. Hear us, O oh God. We read the book Prayer in the Night as a Church during Lent by uh, Tish Harrison Warren. She is an Anglican priest and a phenomenal writer. Warren also writes a weekly column for the New York Times, and recently she interviewed Tim Keller for her column. Tim Keller had pastored Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan for uh, several decades and had retired not long ago, and he stays uh, active in his writing. Tim Keller was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer about a year ago, and Warren interviewed him for a column to talk about hope. Uh, Keller's latest book is, a, is about the crisis of hope in our culture, and she asked him, given his battle with a very deadly disease, where do you find hope? And his answer is so amazing. This is part of it. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened, then ultimately God is going to put everything right. Suffering is going to go away. Evil is going to go away. Aging is going to go away. Pancreatic cancer is going to go away. Now, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen, then I guess all bets are off. But if it actually happened, then there's all the hope in the world. Keller went on to say that if we are truly living with hope and we are walking in resurrection life, there's no limit to what kinds of things we can look forward to and the kinds of things that we can ask for. He said about him and his wife, his wife, name is, her name is Kathy. He said this, he said, and these last few months of, as we've gotten in touch with these great parts of our faith, Kathy and I would both say, we've never been happier in our lives, even though I'm under the shadow of cancer. Live resurrection. Christ is walking among us. Let us live resurrection in the power of prayer. Let us live resurrection because if Christ is alive, we can face anything and we can ask him anything. Amen.